fiecare. Right. Now I got to preach after all that. Our scripture today comes from Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all those things that had happened while they were talking and discussing. Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us, that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if, it, if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning with us, within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you because we know that you're going to bless us through it. We thank you for the blessing of being able to pray for our children and for each other. And for knowing, O oh Lord, that you are with us whenever we gather in your name. We ask that you will bless us through this word as it is proclaimed. Let it speak to our need of you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On the same day, yes, we are still on Easter, 
still three weeks after the resurrection going over Easter stories because there's so many of them. It was Easter day. It is now evening. So the day is almost gone. It's afternoon. Two men are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It was about a seven-mile journey. And if you look at the map, it was a, it was a west, northwest kind of trajectory from Jerusalem that these men would have taken from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They were talking on the road about all the things that had taken place, starting with the crucifixion of Jesus three days earlier. This is the kind of thing that we do when we travel, don't we? We get in the car, and we have what we call a captive audience. So you're sitting there with somebody for three hours, four hours. In their case, it was seven miles, so call it three hours and a half to five hours on the road. And all they have is each other to talk to. And you and I know that when you're, when you're on a journey like that, you'll get into some conversations because you've got time. You've got time to really talk about things. And so they're discussing these things as they're going on the road, and the Scripture tells us that Jesus himself comes near them and begins to walk alongside of them, but that their eyes were kept from seeing him. You know, sometimes we forget that God has the power to blind the eyes of people, that God has the power to harden hearts and soften hearts, that God is able to do all kinds of things when he's got a plan that he's trying to carry out. And at this time, these men on the road were not able to tell that it was Jesus that was walking with them. He came alongside them and asked them what they were talking about. And, you know, I think about this as, you know, what you would do if you were around the water cooler at work, trying to find out what people are talking about you, about, you know, saying about you. And you went up to somebody in the, in the break room and went, you know, well, what about that Miguel fellow? What you heard about him? And I pretended like I wasn't Miguel, and I just wanted to hear what people had to say, because that's kind of what Jesus, he says, you know, what are you guys talking about? And they, they immediately reacted as you would if you thought everybody in the office knew the gossip. They were sad, and they were stunned, and they looked at him and said, are you the only stranger in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know what has happened? I mean, everybody in Jerusalem knew about the crucifixion. It was a public spectacle. It was something that everybody was aware of. It was so public that you couldn't go into town without hearing somebody talk about it. And here was this stranger who apparently didn't know anything about it. I mean, it was the juicy gossip in town. Everybody wanted to talk about it. It was almost like it could have been on the headlines of a tabloid publication. Jesus' body missing. Women can't find the body. Angels seen at the tomb. I mean, you imagine the headlines. If tabloids were available back then, you would have had all kinds of story, stories written about this event. And they all would have sounded like, kind of, we don't really believe it, but here's the story. It's a crazy story. The body of Jesus is missing, 
and nobody knows what has happened. Well, Cleopas and the other disciple were stunned that Jesus didn't know what had happened, but they decided they would fill him in. And so they began to tell him about everything that had gone on, how Jesus had done an incredible ministry by deed and word. Jesus wasn't just talk. He was action. He had miracles. He had signs and wonders. He had wisdom that confounded all of the leaders and the scribes and, and the Pharisees. He could, he could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with any of those religious leaders and show that he knew what he was talking about. Yet the leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees had turned them over to be crucified and they were very sad because it had now been three days since Jesus had been killed. And they told Jesus, you know, we, we had hoped that he was really going to be the one that redeemed Israel. We had really hoped that he was the one. It was almost like they were grieving not just the loss of Jesus, but the loss of hope itself. They were hopeless at this point. They thought they had found the one that was coming to redeem Israel, and now they thought they had to start looking for him all over again. There are times when we feel like hope is lost. There are moments in which we enter despair. We don't see the light at the end of the tunnel or the way our mess is going to work out. We don't see how we're going to overcome our problems or our situations. But it is precisely at those moments that somehow Jesus joins us on the road and begins to talk to us. A lot of times when that happens, he doesn't just come out and say, it's me. <laughs> he just comes alongside of us to see where we are and what we're going through and what we're doing. And in this case, that's exactly what happened. Jesus could have easily just said, hey, it's, it's me. No need to fret. I'm back from the dead. It's all good. But he doesn't. He doesn't just come out and say it. Their eyes are still kept shut as he begins to talk to them and as he shares with them. And eventually when they tell him everything that they know about him, he turns around to them and says, you're foolish and slow to believe. Let me explain it all to you. And you know what? I would love for Jesus to just explain it all to me. It would just be so much easier. It would be so much easier if I knew how all those pieces fit together. It would be so much easier if I just knew the whole plan from the beginning. If I understood the twists and the turns that I'm going to have to face. So often we just have the pieces, but we don't know how to put them together. How foolish and slow of heart to believe all the prophets and all the scriptures and all that has been declared. What Jesus was trying to tell them is, you've got all the pieces, but you don't believe that they come together to form a beautiful picture. You've got the pieces, but you don't understand how they fit together to show the love of God for the world. You've got the pieces, but you don't understand how these pieces have been foretold in Scripture and the scripture tells us that he began to open their minds to 
all the scriptures that were written about him. Now, I just want you to think about that. The Old Testament is full of scriptures about the coming Messiah. It's full of prophecies that need to be fulfilled. It's full of God's plan to save humanity from itself. It's full of God's desire to show his love through the sacrificial lamb that would go to the cross. They had the pieces. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. But they needed Jesus who knew the full picture to show them how to put it together. Now, this was the mother of all Bible studies, I got to tell you. Because if you want to talk about cross-references and putting, lining things up in such a way that everything starts fitting together, and, you know, you always, whenever you're making a puzzle, you always get that one piece that doesn't seem to fit anywhere. And you turn it, and you twist it, and you try it here, and you try it there, and it just doesn't seem to fit anywhere. And then somebody else comes along, picks up the piece, and plugs it right into the hole. And you're going, how'd you do that? Sometimes we just need help. And this was Jesus unpacking the mysteries of God about himself to them, he was helping them to connect the dots to make sense of it all. And he was explaining why he had to die and go through the crucifixion. You know, it's so hard for us to understand why he had to do it this way. We always want him to find another way. Because we don't want him to die on the cross for us. For my sins. For what I do wrong. For the times that I fail to meet the standard. And sometimes we just don't understand why things happen in life. So we yearn for Jesus to come alongside us and explain it to us. We yearn for answers. We yearn for his wisdom to be our wisdom. One thing I've learned over the years is that God always has a plan and a purpose with everything. And even the peace that seems insignificant to us is part of the picture of what God is doing in us and for us. And that's hard for us sometimes to understand. Sometimes we just go, this piece doesn't fit. This situation doesn't fit my idea of what my life should be. This situation doesn't fit my understanding of faith. And I'm sure that those two men that were walking on that road to Emmaus felt exactly like that. There must have been so many aha moments in this conversation with Jesus. When he began to show them these things, they kept going, aha, I get it now. I see that. I didn't see it before. And they kept having these moments of revelation where Jesus was showing them that God had a plan to save humanity by giving himself on that cross to carry their sin. But that that couldn't be the end of the story because if death was the end of the story, then there wouldn't be the promise of eternal life. And that Jesus couldn't come right back because there would be those who would deny that he was really back. So he waited three days because after three days, you're really dead. After three days, we know for sure you're, you're gone. After three days, your body 
smells, you know, that nobody wants to go near the tomb anymore. After three days, it's a done deal. But Jesus was showing them that God had a plan. Well, as they came to the village where they were going, which was Emmaus, Jesus pretended like he was going to keep going on, and he started walking along the path. And let me tell you something. If you walk with Jesus, you don't ever want to leave his side. If you walk with Jesus and you experience your heart racing inside of you because you're experiencing the presence of God, you don't want to lose that. You don't want to let that go. The scripture tells us that they insisted on him. They urged him to come in and stay with them. They, they used the excuse that it was late in the day. You know, it's really late in the day. You just need to come in. You just need to come stay with us. It was really an excuse. They didn't want to stop sharing with Jesus. They didn't want to stop being in his presence. They didn't want to stop being in his wisdom. They didn't want to stop being in the clarity that he brought to God's plan for humanity. And so they said, come in, stay with us. Now I have to tell you something, Jesus wants us to invite him in. He wants us to invite him in. He's not going to force himself upon you. He's going to gently join you on the road. And if you don't invite him to continue walking with you, he will let you walk by yourself. But Jesus is always looking to be in relationship with us. He gives us the opportunity to invite him in or let him pass by. And the disciples that were there on the road decided, we're not letting him go on and pass us by. We want him to stay with us. Jesus went in with them and he was at the table. When the scripture tells us that they gave him bread and he broke the bread and he blessed it and he began to give it to them and right there, at that very moment, their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. Right there at that moment, their eyes confirmed what their heart had known the whole time. They had been in the presence of the resurrected Jesus all the trip on the road. The scripture says at that very moment, he banished before their eyes. They had been walking with the resurrected Lord. And this experience just completely changed their lives. When you walk with Jesus, it changes you. It touches you. It makes a difference in you. Your spirit connects with the spirit of God. His presence becomes something that you yearn for and you want. And you want to continue that walk and that journey. Well, we know it was late in the day, and you would have thought that they would have called it a night, had their meal, gone to bed, gotten their strength back up. But the scripture says that that same hour, they turned around another seven miles back, remember. And, and I said this in the nine o'clock service, nobody goes seven miles and goes, you know what, I just need to do another seven more. You're tired after seven miles. You're ready to quit and take a break. 
But what they had experienced was so important and so momentous that they needed to go and tell the eleven in Jerusalem what they had experienced. The scripture says they turned around and went back to Jerusalem to find the disciples. And when they went and found the disciples, they heard them discussing the resurrection among themselves. Now this is a verse that's sometimes misunderstood. It says, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. The words weren't uttered by the two disciples on the road. They were uttered by the eleven. They were talking about the resurrection of Jesus. They were talking about the fact that he was risen indeed. Along with the women, this made two testimonies of the resurrection. And in the Old Testament times, you know how many testimonies you needed to prove the veracity of something? You needed three. Who was the third? The two men that came from Emmaus. The two disciples that had been on the road became the third testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. They came in and they told the eleven, we met him on the road. He spoke to us. He opened up the scriptures. They shared with them the Bible study they had been through and all that they had come to understand. And at that, that moment, that became confirmation to those disciples as well that Jesus was indeed alive. He had been revealed to them in the breaking of the bread. And this was all part of God's plan. His plan all along was to bring his disciples from doubt to believe, from fear to faith, from being afraid of being killed to being bold for the gospel to the point that their lives here did not matter because they had been assured eternal life. It was a journey that required Jesus to come alongside them in many different ways. And he had shown an example of that by walking with these two disciples from Jerusalem to Emmaus. When I think about this scripture, I think that there's so many things we can take away from it. But I want to leave you with just, just three right now. First one is, remember to walk with Jesus at all times. But especially when things seem hopeless, because Jesus is our hope. Most of us have seen that, that poem of footprints, where the man sees two sets of footprints, and then all of a sudden he only sees one, and he asked the Lord why the Lord had left them. And the Lord explains, I never left you. That's the parts of the story where I was carrying you. Because you needed me to carry you through it. So remember to walk with Jesus at all times. But especially when things seem hopeless. Because Jesus is truly our hope. Second, ask him to reveal God's plan for you. And to connect the pieces for you so that you can see what he's doing. God does reveal himself to us. He does show us how he is acting and working in our lives. And we don't always see the full picture. 
We don't always understand everything about it. But God does show us what we need to know to continue to walk in faith. And sometimes it's as simple as showing us the next step to take. Even though we don't know where the whole path goes, he shows us where to step next. And third, if there's anybody that is worthy of trust, Jesus is worthy of trust because he is the one who defeated death and is able to help us to overcome any situation that we will face in this life. He has assured us the ultimate victory through his death and resurrection. He's shown us that death cannot hold us. Death cannot keep us. Our faith is in him. And because he lives, we will live also. So I pray that we take these three things with us today. Remember to walk with Jesus. Ask him to reveal his plans for you. And trust that the one who defeated death is able to give you the victory. Never forget, walking with Jesus is the best way to go. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this word. I thank you, O Lord, for appearing to those men on the road to Emmaus. I thank you, O Lord, because they were able to experience your presence in an incredible way. They were able to get revelation from you of how the scriptures come together that they were later able to share with the 11 that I am sure helped them in their faith. Help us to remember to walk with you as they did, to yearn for you as they did, to invite you in as they did, and to cherish every moment that we walk with you in this life. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of eternity. But we also thank you, Lord, for promising never to leave us, never to abandon us, never to leave us by ourselves, but to always be here for us in this life and in the life to come. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is always open if you would like to come up for prayer. If there's something that doesn't fit, a piece that's missing, something that you need to present before the Lord because you don't know what to do. The altar is open. We'd be glad to pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, I remind you that there's a reserved spot here between the two green markers that you can pray by yourself before the Lord. If you come anywhere else in the altar, we'll be glad to pray with you. Let us worship as we minister at the altar.
Sadness, this is our God. 